Welcome everyone to Paranormal Roundtable, PRT. I'm your host, Josh Turner. They call me Wolf. And there's a reason for that too, but I'm not going to get into it right now. If you haven't been paying attention to the show, you can go back and maybe uh, you'll find out. But anyway, that's not important. What's important is that we have a show and I'm here with my co-host. Mushu, that is important. That's the main part of this episode, if anything. Yeah, you're like those field goal kickers that think that they're actually the most important part of the team. Yeah, I'm the punter that uh, celebrates the most. Yes. And so what what we got tonight, we're going to get into the, the second installment of the Hernandez Ranch. And we were talking uh, uh, about Jerry's encounters and we got into his brother Andre's encounters. And we're going to we're going to continue on with Jerry's story. But in a, in a minute. But first, I want to get into this Uh prtpodcast.com that's the website and josh turner at prtpodcast.com that is my email address if you want to reach me you can also reach me on instagram from josh turner 940 or on facebook and if you send me a friend request on facebook and you let me know that you are a listener of the show then more than likely i will approve it and we have a patreon that you can join i forgot to talk about that last week um and my uh, great uh, my nephew uh, wonderful guy that he is, jumped all over me and told me, hey, you're not doing the Patreon, blah, 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 blah. And we have a $20 tier now, and we do uh, give uh, things away to listen, uh, to the supporters of the show. And if you are a Patreon uh, supporter, you will be named, uh, whatever your handle is on, on YouTube, we will name you uh, on the YouTube Tuesday live stream. Yes, that's right. We do a Tuesday live stream that is a YouTube exclusive. It is exclusive to YouTube. Uh, it, you will not get it on the podcast, and we go from anywhere from two to four hours. And if you like the podcast, you'd probably really like the live stream because mm-hmm. it's interactive a lot more. So you can go in there and ask your questions and get answers almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Because I'll be there, you know. And, you know, a lot of the other guys will be there. Squirp's almost there every day or every time, you know, just uh, in the chat. Uh, you know, people like Anthony are always there. So it's, it's just really good if you want to be able to talk to, to the PRT team. Yeah. And, and, and so we, we do, yeah, it's your, you go to the live chat and you can interact. And if you miss the live chat, you can always, if you miss it live, you can always go back into the archives of YouTube and watch it after it's already aired. We get thousands of views on those after they've already aired and you get a lot of bonus content. I do tell two or three stories and I bring a guest on and we, we, we chat it up and we talk and uh, the live stream has really taken off, and it's become a very popular part of Paranormal Roundtable. I think we're up to like almost sixty. Uh, I think, or maybe we are now already at sixty episodes of of the uh, just the live stream of the live stream. Yeah, and we're at like a hundred and sixty something on the uh, PRT uh, podcast episodes. Can you man, Can you believe that? I can't I- believe it. It's hard to believe. And and so anyway, six thousand one West Palmer Lane, Suite three seventy, PMB one thirty one, Austin, Texas seven eight seven two seven. That is my mailing address for you to send things. People want to send me things all the time, and they wanted a, a place to send it. So there it is, six thousand one West Palmer. Palmer is P A R M E R P A R M E R Lane, Suite three seventy, PMB one thirty one, Austin, Texas seven eight seven two seven. And here on Paranormal Roundtable, don't forget, we have like all kinds of other things. We have like merchandise and we we, we have hoodies and, and hats and we have, uh, gosh, uh, shirts and backpacks, stickers. stickers and all kinds of good masks. things. When they, when people were wearing Yeah, when they were, when they were wearing <laughs> And so if you guys, uh, if you become a Patreon supporter and you're $10 tier for three months, I will send you something. If you sign up for the $20 tier, 
I'll send you something automatically. So, and I'll give you, I'll give you, um, like, you know, like a, like what we call like a goodie bag or something, you know, like with, with a bunch of merchandise and stuff in it. Because, uh, even though what I'll send you will be worth well more than $20 or $10, it's the, uh, you guys, you guys wear it and you help support the show. Yeah. And we appreciate it, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, and we also like sending people stuff, you know, and we always get such good feedback on the hoodies. Like every time I wear it, you know, people tell me, oh, like that looks really good or it's like super soft yeah. or like the material looks good or like, oh, I've never had a hoodie that feels this soft, but it's still kind of, you know, baggy and comfortable. Yeah, we we do get good reviews on the uh, on, on our clothing line. Mm-hmm. And and I do own several hoodies and, and shirts and hats myself and I do wear them. Uh, but you know, it, it's up to you. You can, that's one way to support the show. And then people do donate money, uh, to help support the show, which always goes back into the show unless specified. Otherwise we do sometimes donate the money to help people for this or that and the other. Um, but <clears throat> the money does tend, tend to go back into the show to keep it going. And there's ways to donate. You can just go on the live stream and donate on there. Or you can just send it to, through our PayPal or don't one-time donation, or you can join the Patreon. It's a good way to help support the show. And uh, now we have a twenty-dollar tier, so we have a three, five, ten, and twenty. So that being said, uh, let's get into the groups. I got Paranormal Roundtable group, uh, which is my my main group, and then Nelly has a group, Paranormal Lounge, and then Tony, your group, Paranormal Encounters, Paranormal Encounters, and then Ryan has a group, which is Wish to a Scream, and then Nick Valente has Quad Causes of Sciences. Our friend John John King has Paranormal uh, Trucker Podcast, and then uh, my friend Phil Stern, Della Carter, they have Dogman World Discussion, and there's a few others I'm in in the NADP with NDA Roberts, and I, I'm probably forgetting a few, but there's a bunch of groups I'm in. Go and join those groups and you get even more cool stuff, stories and all kinds of stuff. Every episode that we do, whether it's on a live stream or a podcast, Friday podcast, we do do a giveaway. We drop those. Uh, We put the official link on the Paranormal Roundtable group. And if you go and you leave a comment, you can win a prize, like an autographed book from from authors like Linda Godfrey, Nick Redfern, uh, Ken Gerhard, Lyle Blackburn, David Weatherly, Barton Nunley. So, yeah, go and leave uh, a comment, and you could win that. We do giveaways. Like I said, we're going to do one for this one, and we're going to do one for the show last week. Um, and we will definitely uh, be doing those uh, giveaways every week we do them on each episode. And we drop two episodes a week, basically the live stream and then this, the podcast. So that, that all that out of the way, and here we go. So, so what happened? Where did we leave off last week? Uh, we had just finished talking about the scariness of, you know, these, basically the, how they're able to lull you basically, you know, and as I was mentioning that, I remember, you know, I think the only thing that bothers me a little bit more than that is the blatant disregard for, you know, how we mentioned before, maybe they might have like a hidden rule to where it's like, stay away from the people. And I think the blatant disregard for the, that rule for that the these specific uh, creatures have to where like they don't care who sees them Mm-mm. it's like you know it's like they, they they make a mockery of it basically to where it's like we'll terrify you you know because we want to it's funny to us we'll throw deer carps corpses at you yeah in front of the car yeah, yeah but not because you know we want anything from you but because we might think it's funny mm-hmm. like that's what i that's the impression i got received from it but you know it's like why would you why else would you do that 
unless you were, you know, don't care about being seen. Yeah. And it's like the fact that it's just anybody, anytime, during day, during night, you know, if if they want to show themselves, they will. And I think that is just beyond, like, it, it's hard to wrap my mind around because you think like, oh, you know, there's you, sometimes you'd be like, oh, you know, it's daytime. I can be a little safe or it's like nighttime. I have to be a little bit more careful, but it's like they don't care. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I believe where we left off was uh, Jerry's uh, encounter, which I thought was the most frightening one. He, th- there was another one that we told last week where he where he was underneath the vehicle. Yeah. Which I think was the scariest. Yeah, and the I two. thought it was scariest one, but he said this one was pretty, pretty, pretty darn terrifying. And his wife, he couldn't wake her up. And uh, so he's laying there in the bed, and he's pointing the gun at this thing by the window, and it doesn't – it stops. and But it doesn't go away. It, it continues to come back after he puts the gun down and tries to lay there for a while, and he's looking, and then it starts up again. So he goes to grab the gun, and at this point, the window goes open. Like, just – it's it's open at this point. And uh, the blinds, you know, and the curtains, he sees the curtain, like the blinds go up. Like, like, you know, this thing had made it go up somehow. And he's like, how in the heck is Not this? like someone's lifting it, but no, by it was like, like it was just pulling, it was the, pulling string. the string. That's okay. what it seemed like, you know? And he's watching it. And then he sees the, the these two hands. And he said they were hands. They were black. And he said they looked like two big tarantulas, dude. And they parted the curtains. <laughs> it's so crazy. And he said that they pu- it pushes pushes the curtains apart. And he says, standing right there before him was this nightmarish looking thing with red eyes. And it was staring right at him. And he said, it was a black werewolf looking creature. He's like, I'll never forget as long as I live. He goes, and I'm sitting there looking right at it. And it just begins to crawl in through the window. And at this point, he goes, I, I'm sitting there, I'm pointing a shot, a gun, a gun, a 12 gauge right at it. He goes, and I'm trying to wake my wife up. And I go and I try to position myself between her and, and this thing. And he goes, the thing just peels back its mouth like it's smiling. And he just sees rows and rows of teeth. And he goes, it was in the moonlight. I could see it clearly. And he goes, it was a full moon. I don't. He goes, and I don't know if that has anything to do with anything. But he said, I could see it clearly in the light of the moon. And he goes, so I pulled the trigger and nothing happens. And he's like, what the heck? you know? And so he takes it, he cocks, he does it again, and nothing happens. And he's like, dude, I, this gun, there's no way this gun should have failed ever. And he said that uh, one of the things that, that that he was just so frustrated with was that he had like the other gun on the other side of the of the bed. So he he was like, I'm gonna have to make a decision. Do I do I shove my wife over, reach over, try to grab? How do I go about doing this? And this thing is literally crawling in through the window. And he said it, it's like next thing you know, it was just right up on him. And it was just like right in his face. And so his only reaction was to take it and try to hit the creature with the butt of the, with gun. The, butt of the gun. And when he did, then the gun blast went off and it went on the opposite direction and hit the wall. He said when that happened, his wife started to wake up and then this thing looked at his wife, looked at him and then jumped back out the window. And he said, dude, it was the weirdest thing. He goes, when I hit it, it felt like a sponge or something. It was weird. And he said, I fell backwards and she woke up and he was like, I was just like, and she's like, what happened? What happened? He began to tell her about what it was and what happened. And there's these, you know, there's big hole in the wall. 
So she runs up and down the hallway. Open. The window was still open, and she went down and down the hallway looking for the kids, make sure they're okay, and nobody got shot. <clears throat> and so it, it was a horrific experience. And he said, dude, I was just drenched in sweat. I felt like I was going to have a heart attack. He said, I was sitting there just like breathing hard. I couldn't catch my breath. And he said this thing, it was about seven, eight feet tall when it climbed into the into his bedroom, you know. And uh, he said that this thing came into my house. That, that was the main thing. It just it just was so you know obnoxiously. Um, it was just terrifyingly obnoxious, you know. And so then, the the couple nights later, his son comes to him and says, "Dad, I had a nightmare. Like two in the morning, wakes him up. Once again, his wife she she's not awake. She's dead to the world. We'll call her Julie. Julie's Julia is Julia. She's asleep." And, and he's like, try and she's, he's like, well, he looks over and he goes, did you tell your mom? Cause typically that's her department, you know, yeah. he's got to work at five in the morning, you know? And she, he's like, no, I tried waking mom up, but she wouldn't get up. And he's like, once again, she's in this comatose state where she don't wake up when anything's going on. So he goes, well, let me go, you know, I'll go back to your room. You know, he, he's thinking I'll just walk the kid back to his room. He should be okay. You know, but he goes back to, with his son back to the room. And uh, his son, I think, is like 12 or 13, something like that. He's not a little kid, but he's not, you know, an, an, a teenage, you know, older teenager yet. So he's walking him back to his room, and they hear this thud, like something slammed into the dresser. And so then he goes, and he starts to try to open the door, and he felt like there was something on the other side of the door. He said, I got my pistol right there, you know. And so I announced myself. I said, look, I have a, I'm a, I have a pistol. I'm you know, armed whatever. And he told his son, he goes, what, what was your dream? And he goes, I dreamed there was a werewolf in my room. And he said, when, when he told me that, I goes, I felt like I wanted to faint. And then he goes, so I backed up and I said, look, I'm about to fire. And he goes, and then the door just goes poof and opens by itself. So then he walks in the room and he's looking all around the room and the window is open and his son is in, he turns around, his son's standing there in tears. And his son's like, it was, it was crawling through the window. Tells him the identical story, basically, of what happened to him. Same thing. It was pe- it peeled off the screen, and they did find the screens on both occasions, like had been taken off, physically taken off, and that these things tried to come in through the window. And he said that one day his his son, at that point, had had you know a few encounters or whatever. His son opened up to him and told him that that they had a basketball goal, or whatever, and they, he was outside playing basketball. And uh, he looks in, into the garage, um, and the garage door was closed, you know, and he looks and he sees this thing staring at him through the garage window that looked like a man, but as he stared at it more, you know, like for a, a few seconds, the face kind of morphed into like a wolf. And I, I asked him, I said, what did this, his son, he said, he said, it just looked like a white guy, like a, like a Caucasian man, um, not like the Native American guy that he had seen when he was hunting with his uncle Andre. And so, you know, that, that would have been the first thing. Was it this native looking guy? No, it wasn't. It was like, he said it was like a Caucasian looking guy with really, really, really light blue eyes that looked almost unnatural. And it was staring at him through the glass. And so then he said that that at that point he got really scared. So he just sat down in the driveway and nobody was home. So, because Jerry works a lot, as you know, he works all the time. And so then until his mom came home. Uh, with his youngest little brother and the, and the daughter. And they're like, he's, she's like, Mijo, why are you outside? And he goes, there's something in the garage. 
you imagine that? You're being, you're terrified. You're, you have to sit outside in the, in the driveway for two hours because you think there's something in your house. And so this kid, you know, that, that's what happened to him. And so he just sat there terrified. And eventually, you know, Jerry had enough of this crap, you know. And so his, and then his son started having like repeated nightmares, you know. And, and he had had enough of this crap. And they decided, you know what, let's sell this part of the, our land and let's move. Let's get out of here. And while they were debating it, um, you know, he, he talked to his uncle about buying out his part of the land, whatever. And then his wife said, you know, I don't, I don't like what's going on here, but I, I just don't, I don't, I like our home. I don't, you know, like that this is happening to us and we shouldn't have to leave. You know what I mean? But I mean, you know, sometimes it just, it's just not what your, has to happen. It's not your choice. You yeah. Know? And so what ultimately happened that made them decide, hey, you know, it is time to go. They had a little like dinner party. <laughs> Um, and this was not the kitchen yet that we talked about last time. There was a little dinner party they had and it was his wife's birthday. And so she had like, you know, I think he said five or six couples and their children come over. And the, the, the first uh, set of couples that were driving in, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It was the last, the last set of couples that were driving in, uh, it was already dark, you know? And he said that they, they were like, they came in the house and they were acting weird and, and, the wife seemed really frantic and she was like, I don't know what's going on, but we just saw something really weird out there by the, by the fence line. And she's like, Oh no, here we go again. You know? And they, they asked him, they were like, what, what did it look like? You know? And she goes, I don't know, like a, a hairy creature with a, like a, like it looked like a wolf. And the guy goes, well, it looked like a werewolf. Like, you know, now Jerry's best friend, this guy, Clark, he actually said that he had seen um, a, one of these creatures, like when he was driving to, to pick up Jerry one morning when Jerry, they were going to ride together to go to, I think, Bandera where they were working. And um, he was going to pick him up. And uh, Jerry's truck had broke down. And he said it was like he had one truck that was already in the shop and then the other one, the alternator went out. And so he said, hey, can you come get me so I don't got to take one of my wife's vehicles, whatever. So then the guy goes to pick him up and it was right there in the morning. He said there was this thing laying down in the ditch and it just ran across the road on all fours, but it was real low to the ground. And he said it was a reddish brown color and it just ran right across the road on all fours, but it was so low to the ground. He goes, it looked so unnatural that like if, if a wolf stuck his legs out like a man, like if a man stuck its arms and legs out, you know, it was like, like walking yeah, on like walking their fingers. On fingertips. Yeah. It yeah. was weird. He goes, it was just so bizarre. That's what I imagined when we talked about it last time about the black wolf scurrying away. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I was imagining. And what, what freaks me out about that one or about this whole thing is like, it's more disregard for who cares who sees they don't them. Care, they don't care. No, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But we've seen this before, you yeah. know, this isn't like, you know, look at the thing in, that we did. Um, w w I did it, but you, you, you've talked with, you know, you know who these people are. So anyway, they live outside of my hometown and they had all the paranormal activity in their house and the kid was seeing the, the oh, yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember this. And, and, and that thing was just brazen too. I mean, the mother saw it. I mean, it could have stayed hidden from her, but it chose to just show itself or let yeah. itself be seen. And it was like angry acting, you know, but. Yeah. That, I mean, that's when, that's what scares me. Cause it's like b beforehand, it's like, oh, you might run into them on accident but this when they do it like this it's like they're actively you know doing this on purpose it's not like you're accidentally seeing them when they're taking a shower or you know going throughout their day it's like they're actively coming to you mm -hmm. so you can't get rid of them because it's not like it's an accident yeah and and so what ends up happening is you know he he's uh 
forced to to talk to this this couple, and you know, and they're over there telling him, you know, like try to explain, you know, what they saw. Yeah, and and they're like, huh? And so none of his other friends, you know, really, he, they they weren't really talking about it. His one friend that worked with him, uh, Clark, he mentioned something about it. You know, he he spoke up and he said, yeah. I saw something similar to that, you know, when I was going to pick him up one day, whatever. He goes, they're, they're harmless, whatever it is, it won't hurt. And the guy the of the couple, the, the man was like, it didn't look harmless. He's like, it looked, you know, terrifying. And then, you know, CeCe's trying to help him, trying to play it off. And he's like, yeah, th- 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 we've seen these things before. They, they're just like deformed wolves. And he goes, well, this thing looked like a werewolf. And he goes, I'm not joking. So the rest of the night, there was like this tension there. And everybody's kind of like, you know, so then this one friend who, um, <clears throat> he's African-American, he actually came up to him and they had, he was at the uh, river when him with, with Jerry and his uh, brother Robbie and uh, and his other brother and, and then there, a couple of their uncles and their, and you know, of course they had like a, I think another, I think there was like a, uh, Another uh, a white guy and a girl. It was a black guy. Another couple, or yeah, there was it was a, it was a white couple. And then there was a black guy that was with them, and none of them saw it. But all of the of the Hernandez family saw it. This this dog man that appeared on the on the banks of the river of the Kamal, and they were like, "What the heck? You know, how come we see this? You know, yeah, it's like I, I think I mentioned it before. It's like, it sounds like a curse. It's like it sounds like it's just following whoever inhibits the land." Yeah, like no matter where land, they yeah. go, it's just like if you if you live here, you're gonna deal with this mm-hmm. no matter what. And and they see it on the banks of the river, and uh, the the African American guy, his name is Isaiah, I believe, and I, and I just I, I don't I think that's his name. Um, and I don't I did not get, actually get to speak to him, but what's weird is when they were leaving that party, Isaiah. Um, and, and that, like I said, that, that he, Jerry had told me that I had permission to, to, to talk to him, use his name, whatever. When he and his, and his girlfriend were leaving the party that night for the first time ever, he saw it. He saw one. But here's the, here's the, the, the weird part about this whole thing is it wasn't the reddish brown looking one that CC saw one? or that black one. It was a grayish looking one. And it ran alongside the, the on the opposite, like like they were on the right side of the road. It was on the left side of the road, and it was going the same direction as they were, but it was just down in kind of like a ditch. And you could they could see it. They couldn't see the legs, but they could see the the body and the head. And it wasn't even paying attention to them. And he said it was just a gigantic, weird looking wolf with like shoulders like a man. And he said it was just it was just running. And he was like, and he goes, "Do you see that?" And his wife. Um, I thought it was his girlfriend or his wife. She looks over and she's like, Oh my gosh, what is that? You know? And so they didn't want to, and one of their, they had their, their, uh, you know, it's a little get together, whatever. Play date with their kids. And they had the kids and they, they they didn't want to wake them up and then go, what the heck is that? You know? So they just kept driving along and he goes, dude, and I'm, he goes, I'm in like a Ford expedition. And he's like, I'm thinking this thing's big enough to probably knock my vehicle over. He goes, it was that big. And he goes, and, and I could see it clearly, man. And he goes, it was, and, and he said, even though it was dark, here's another thing that he said. He said it was like it was illuminated. Like you could see it by the light of the moon, but it was illuminated. Like it, it was like, you know, like a glow. Like it was like a, reflecting the moonlight. Kind of, yeah, like reflecting the moonlight in, in a whitish, grayish haze, like a glow. 
And he said eventually he just veered off and went in, uh, underneath this barbed wire, like it just like it just like flattened itself, which you keep hearing about. And then it went up under this barbed wire and was gone. And then they didn't see it. See, like that sounds like you know they stumbled across one, uh, which is a lot different from what you know uh, the, a lot of these other encounters are like, where it seems like they're actively finding them first. Where it's like, whereas this one was running around and he just happened to see it. Who's happened to be unlucky enough to see it? Well, and and, and consider this: Why didn't Isaiah and and then their friend, which was Cece Clark and Clark's uh, fiance at that time or girlfriend, whatever, when they were all at the river, how come Clark and Isaiah didn't see it, but the Hernandez brothers and uncles did? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just that's weird, dude. But then later on. Both of them had their own experience. had their own encounters with yeah yeah and then Isaiah's wife um, I think her name is Wendy but they they saw it you know now here's the interesting thing too I'm gonna cut I'm gonna cut off into this for a minute now I talked to not I didn't talk to Wendy other than through messenger I didn't really get to speak to her I've never spoken to her um, and when I say I haven't spoken to her I mean like I haven't talked to her face to face anything like that and um, I've messaged with her I haven't spoken to her on the phone. But her and Andre's wife, which is, you know, the oldest brother, um, they had something weird that, that that they said. Andre's wife is very, uh, she's very into the esoteric, you know what I mean? And she's uh, what I would consider an experiencer. She's had a lot of weird experiences. She's seen the UFOs. She's had ghost encounters. Um, she's had dreams that come true and her mother was a practicing culandera, like a, like a faith healer. And so I believe that Andre's wife is very, um, intuitive, you know? And so she had a friend that Andre had met when he was in the military. He had met this guy and this guy had talked to Andre about all this weird stuff that he was into, uh, remote viewing and and all this different transcendental meditation, whatever. Well, it really interested Andre's wife. It didn't really interest Andre. Andre was just kind of like, you know how he's real mellow and soft-spoken guy, like I said. But his wife was like, that's right up my alley. So that guy and his wife started talking to her and invited her to these. Remote viewings? Yeah, get-togethers where they, they practiced it. And yeah. she started taking a class on it. Well, she got in touch with me uh, last year, and we went over some things. And she said – that she looked into these things and what they are and why they are and what they're doing on that property. And and she said that with the, the what she saw like in a vision um, was, was very much that these things were, it goes back to her, it goes back thousands of years. There was intercession from beings that came from the sky. Now, she couldn't tell me whether these things were like extraterrestrial, ultra-terrestrial, or what they were, but they look like us. They came from somewhere else through these stargates, and they created these creatures with the assistance of the local inhabitants were Mesoamerican people that predated even any of the Apaches that lived in that area. Now, one of the things that that, that Jerry told me was ever since they were kids, they'd walk through the creek and river bottoms, and we've talked about this, and they would find arrowheads, flint, flint stones, and they would find, um, you know, spearheads. Native American marking. Yeah, Native American stuff everywhere. Yeah. So they knew that there were Comanche and Apaches that had inhabited that area. 
And this goes back to like way back. We're talking like the earliest settlers, you know, thousands of years ago that came to the the, the America, you know, from different migration patterns. And, And one of these groups of Native Americans in particular was very warlike. And they acquired these skills or abilities um, from the intercession with these extraterrestrials, if you want to call them that, who were metaphysical beings. And they gave them an ability. And with that ability, they were able to defeat all their enemies around them and kind of take over and just kind of. And one of the things they did was they they interbred them genetically with these werewolf uh, type creatures. And created this sort of like hybrid, hybrid race yeah. yeah, of beings. This is what she claims she saw in a vision. Now, there have been other theories proposed to me too, like by Robbie's wife, you know, and, and her mother. And what they, because I've talked to all these different people in this, this deal, and they have all these different theories and all these different, um, um, they gave me all this input. But she says that that's what she saw in her coach, her teacher, who actually coached remote viewing. Um, and told her that that's what they saw. Like they, there were three of them that did this, her and that guy and another guy. And they all came up with the same conclusion that the, that this was some sort of like, and now I asked her, I said, have you ever heard of the Nephilim? And she, she is not a biblical religious. person, religious, not religious at mm-hmm. all. You know that. Um, and so I told, I said, I said, have you heard of the Nephilim? She goes, it sounds familiar. I said, it's in the book of Genesis. And she goes, okay. So she was following what I was saying, but she didn't really know anything about that. Yeah. So when I thought about it, it made a lot of sense. I was thinking, okay, this is just a this is just a possible what if these Anunnaki came, and that the local inhabitants in that particular area were given some sort of special abilities, or they were tested upon even. To them, they were being given special powers, but the Anunnaki really testing, you know, mm-hmm. can we make more of these that can f- go in and out of human form? That's it's probably I mean, like the best of both worlds where it's like the bestial rage of a, you know, this mm-hmm. creature, but at with least the human the, intelligence, the human yeah. intelligence. Yeah. And so, because originally they just had these like sort of sentient beasts that they used to guard their, their gateways. Now, of course, the Native American legends are that they're, they're guardians of the dead. You know, which is technically you, when you die, you go through a threshold of another realm, another life, whether, you know, a hell realm, a heavenly realm, or, or as you know, in Buddhism, your, your mother was a Buddhist and in Christianity and Islam, it's heaven, hell, whatever. Mm-hmm. But there are different gateways, different paths. And these dogmen are, are like Anubis, you know, he's there waiting. If you, you know, if you're Egyptian, you die, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you ju- he judges your heart against the feather and the weight of it, whatever. So, you know, I-, I thought that was very interesting when she started telling me this. And I thought, you know, that is interesting because, you know, and then, of course, I talked to Andre and he's like, you know, she believes that. I don't know if I believe that. You know, it's what she believes, what she thinks. You know, that's her truth and I respect it, whatever. But he's not like 100% on board. You know, he doesn't really know. But th- she seemed to be very adamant very, yeah. that, that that's what this is. And she said that they were on that land for a long, long time. And going back to when the, the the workers disturbed that den, they were living within the earth, and that was a, that they would come up from within the earth and periodically go around, whatever. But when they caved that in, they trapped some of them, actually killing them um, when they were in their physical form. And so they wanted revenge. They took revenge. 
And then stripes is basically like a, uh, a, a lineage that goes, you know, back. Uh, what he was was like a the, the interbreeding of two of those of the same kind. They weren't supposed to do that. They're supposed to interbreed with humans. Yeah, because he has a lot. He had a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. You know, like his fur was always getting patchy, and like yeah, and he had his big feet and things like that. And so they left him to die. He was supposed to die, and of course, Abel finds him and takes him in. That's why he's such a unique situation. He was very unique, and then of course, he became very strong. And you know, Abel seemed to think that he was like this, like alpha, you know, whatever. And I, I don't know what I believe with all that. I know these people aren't bull, aren't aren't full of bull, you know. Um, and speaking of which, you know, there's a story about that too with Simon <laughs> Simon the bull. We we've talked about that before. They had this very large bull on their property, and he was mean, a, old mean, mean bull, you know. Yeah. And so one of the things that he uh, supposedly killed one of these things, which exacerbated things too, because a lot more activity began to happen after that. And then when stripes passed. Now here's another weird thing. Both Jerry and and uh, and uh, his uncle Abel claim to have seen. Now Jerry, I think he's only only one of the nephews that claims to have seen stripes. But Andre's uh, son claimed to have seen. They him and Jerry claim to have seen a stripes being walking on the property. Uh, near Noah's house when they were going in between the two properties. And it looked like a, a black, you know, werewolf-looking creature with that marking that Stripes had, that kind of V with the the weird-looking gray, get grayish-white, whatever. Like one of his descendants or? No, the, they said that it, it was weird because he was walking and he just kind of faded away. Oh, wow. And now Abel had claimed that he was a spirit and that he was, he had claimed for a long time that he was a spirit and that he communicated with him and that he would be around the property. He didn't have, he didn't use a body anymore because his body was gone. Um, but he was still around and then eventually he left and went back to wherever it is they go. Um, there's some sort of place that he claims that they inhabit, you know, within the earth or whatever. Uh, a lot of weird stuff. And I didn't get to get into it all with Abel. That last part was told to me by Noah. And now, I think that what's going on with these creatures, this they, they could have been here as Nephilim, you know, back in the days of Noah. And I mean Noah is in the Bible, not Noah the uncle. <laughs> um, but, you know, and, and I think it could have been during that time period of the Dwarpa, you know. Yeah. And whenever they were, uh, the flood and all that went on, you know, they could have come here from I mean, another place along with their progenitors, whatever that created them. And they ended up, uh, just becoming, um, like, uh, a species in unto itself. Uh, so, so, you know, you, you, I, I don't know if I believe it. Well, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Cause you know, if, if you couldn't escape on land because there wasn't any land during the flood uh, going underground, and learning to survive like that might be a valuable, I mean, a, a viable uh, escape. So, a it, viable option. Yeah. And yeah. That, that, that was the theory that was proposed to me by Andre's uh, wife that this is what was going on, you know, that this is, you know, and like I said, I've never met her or Andre in person. I've never, you know, other than just conversation, but, um, and, and so her, you know, messaging, whatever was what she said that, that she thought this was going on. And 
Um, I, I don't know what I believe. I know that I've talked to several people in this field who claim, have have claimed an extraterrestrial origin, extraterrestrial origin for these things. Um, now here's another one. Well, I th- I know one thing is probably for for sure is that they have a very close tie to Native Americans because they've been you know like, multiple times been seen with you know in the vicinity of a Native American's ghost. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, and and. And, and it could go back generations and generations to the point where we're talking the Mesoamericans, you know, we're talking like, you know, pre-Columbian natives. Yeah. You know, the, whoever was there before the, the, the Apache and the Comanche, um, it could be them, you know, and, and they could be the ones that, that interbred with these things or were used to create these things. Um, now, here, here's, here's another thing. Robbie's daughter, uh, she had this weird demonic creature that was living in her closet or whatever. And it was like a werewolf looking creature that, that's, that, that, and of course there was the Ouija board aspect there too. One of the things that happened to, uh, Melissa, which was Jerry's daughter, when she was over there visiting, hanging out, there was just them two and they were playing, uh, Nintendo or whatever. Jessica and Melissa, right? Yeah. And, 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 and so they're playing and Jessica is, uh, Robbie who is, uh, not her real name, but, uh, yeah. Then that, that's Robbie's, uh, stepdaughter. Robbie's Jerry's younger brother. He's the one that had the encounter in Simon's, uh, enclosure <laughs> where the dog man chased him in there. Uh, and Simon is the bull. But anyway, they they were playing Nintendo one night and and it was a, it was a sleepover and you know they're cousins or whatever and they hear this scratching on the door and th- this was a weird encounter and and there were there's several other encounters but this one in particular was just just disturbing to me the little little girl one of the little girls pulls the door open and this was when they were I think this was when they were like ten or eleven or something like that when it first you know what I mean because it went on for years you know. And so she pulled the door open and there this there's this black werewolf looking thing inside with its head sticking out of the stuffed animals and they could see the the hands below but they didn't see the legs and they just see it and then it starts to to move and kind of writhe around and the stuffed animals start to fall off of it the one little girl who was was uh, Robbie's daughter she described it as looking scaly Almost like it's like a dragon scales on its body, um, and then uh, Melissa, who is uh, uh, Jerry's daughter, she described it as looking like like it was like there was a smoke, like it was a smoke, like like, like going, a vapor around. Yeah, it. it was going in and out of like physicality, and they both just ran um, and went and screaming in terror, and then they kind of talked, and then the story became kind of like they they both saw the same thing. But when, you know, Robbie's wife said that when they first talked, it was like they were seeing two different things. Now, that's weird. And I don't know what to make of that. I mean, that's just like a, you know, I've wondered, I've pondered about that too. You know, it's like. It's like a mirage effect where it's like you see what you want. mm Mm-hmm. Or it sees basically what you don't want. That might be even scarier. And and here's, here's another thing. Andre had one that was walking around his home around his home when he was outside, and of course you know he's got like a, a, a manicured lawn or whatever. It, it's you know he's got a, an area that's lawned off, and it, and it, the way his house is set up, it goes to a tree line, you know, and it's a pretty big yard. It's open, and so he was he was walking around his house. He's setting up sprinklers for his yard. He takes very good care of his yard, 
And um, he gets one that that just comes right out of the tree line. It's just standing there. And he said it was what really was, it was weird. It was holding something in his hand. It looked like a silver ball. And he goes, what the heck is that? First, he's like, what, what the heck am I looking at? And then he goes, okay, it's one of these weird looking, you know. And he said this thing was holding a metal ball in its hand. And he said, he goes, I saw this. He goes, this is not no imagination. It wasn't no trick or whatever. He said, this was not no animal. He goes, this thing was standing like a man. And he said that the ball kind of kind of hovered above its hand for you know about four or five inches off. And you could see it clearly. And he said it was probably about 50 yards away, but he could see it. You know, he, and he's like, I got good vision. You know, at that time, he said, I saw it very clearly. Um, he said that was years ago. But then the thing turned and walked back into the woods, and this silver ball was just kind of hovering behind it. Uh, or, or I'm sorry, he said it was hovering in front of it. And it's, and it's like palm? Or is no, it, just- it was like he turned, and the ball turned and went like in, out in front of him. Mm-hmm. And so I thought maybe it was some sort of cloaking thing or something, and maybe it wasn't working. I, I, I don't know. That was just the, the, the impression that I got, that it kind of hit me, that maybe that's what it could have been. Um, so, you know, that was another weird thing that happened. Now, when Andre's son, he, he got chased by this werewolf thing on his ATV when he was out near that holler where Robbie had had his experience. Now, that's a good spot for hogs. So Andre had already told his son, don't be going out there to that holler. That's where, you know, your uncle Robbie had that problem and got chased or whatever years ago. Well, his son and his little buddy, they go out there, you know, and they think they're cute, whatever. And he's like, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to shoot a hog, you know. So they go to that deer, that, that deer stand that was nobody used anymore. It was basically just a rotting shack at that point. And something comes running up out of that holler. Now, here's another weird thing. His buddy turning looks, and he said that it was streaking toward him, and it looked like a black panther. But then he looks, and he says, no, it's a hog, but it's a big hog. And then, and it's real dark in that holler where they were at, and then they get on their ATVs, and they take off. And as they're they're going around this curve, this thing cuts cuts off across the, uh, the, the to, to cut them off, you know what I mean? And as it's starting to parallel them, and they're turning around that, that curve, they look and they see it. Then they realize that it's a giant black wolf-like creature. It's not a panther and it's not a, a hog. And eventually it just kind of parallels them for a minute and then just lets them go. It just stops abruptly and then takes off uh, in the opposite direction and they drove out. Almost like it was scouting them or what? I don't know. Maybe just scaring them out of there. Yeah. But the one that Robbie had seen was, re- I remember, it was reddish brown, if I remember correctly, when he when he told me that story years ago. And that one that they saw was black, like jet black. And they said that that thing, here's another weird thing. They said that the eyes were completely whited out. Like it had no pupils, anything. It was just white. So it was similar to the one that uh, Jerry saw and standing in the the tree. Mm -hmm. Do you think there are maybe different tribes like that? (laughs) I have no idea. I I mean, mean, that's what I would think. Especially with how you see the different personalities and like the difference in how they act. Between them, you know, like stripes. Maybe one's territorial and the others aren't really. And then there's some, some are, evil. Like some are warmongers or some mm. are more, you know, peaceful. Yeah. And and so then uh, another thing that happened to Andre's sons when he was, uh, they were having a little uh, sleepover and they have a fire pit in the backyard. And they were, they were you know, it's a neat, neat little place that he has there. Um, but they, were, they had a little fire pit, you know, and he doesn't live on the property. He lives several miles down from there. Um, he sold his, his, his 
part of it, whatever, uh, to Jerry. And so he, he doesn't even live there, but he's still having issues, you know? And so his, his son had a little get together with some of his friends who were in Boy Scouts. And so there were three or four of them and they were around the fire pit and they were making s'mores. And what kid doesn't love to do that, you know? And so they're outside, they're having a good time and whatever. And he's keeping a, 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 you know, a a watch out, making sure, you know, um, he, he has a couple big dogs. One was a massive. I love mastiffs, man from my own heart. I love mastiffs. And he said that that dog was like just hyper vigilant, you know, and it was just, you know, they kind of knew the drill. They had had some weird things happen. Um, they had had a pack of coyotes that had this really large wolf-like creature that kind of wandered onto the property. And one of the, the people that was there to help him uh, uh, do his lawn when it was first getting started, when he was, you know, he had a lawn care company. And they saw it. This is what they reported. And so he said this this weird-looking giant wolf-like creature that was grayish black it had appeared with these coyotes. And it had literally growled and then went toward one of the workers who grabbed a, a, a hoe to try to – like a gardening hoe to try to defend, him. defend himself. And yeah. then it just it, it ran back into the woods when another uh, worker pulled out a gun. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And so th- there's all this weird stuff that was going on. But while they're they're messing with the fire pit and the, and they're doing the s'mores, whatever, they get up and they start playing and doing whatever they were doing. And one of the kids starts to scream and then he turns and then Andre's wife goes outside and they see this smoke looking like thing come up out of the smoke. And it was like kind of swirling slowly and it started to make the visage of like a, a werewolf. And the the boys all turn and look, and only like two of them really noticed it. The other ones kind of saw it from the side, but the other two kids that were staring straight at it, they were just freaking out, dude. And they were like scared and screaming, and they ran inside, and you know they were calling their parents and you know whatever. Um, but that was that was weird because you know that that was kind of what the girls saw when they were messing with the Ouija board over at uh, at uh, Jerry's house. It was like the sm- uh, f- spiritual form of it, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then and then right after that incident, there was another one where Andre. This was probably one of the most terrifying things he said that happened to him. He said that he was having he was going to get up at four in the morning to go to a job and help uh, help get some work done, or whatever. And so he had gone to bed really early, and his wife was sleeping over at her um, the Henker cousins in in San Marcos or whatever. Uh, her baby shower, and it was raining really heavily. So she just stayed the night at her cousin's instead of coming home. So he was in the house by himself, and it was the weekend, and his kids were were, uh, at sleepovers or whatever they were doing, whatever they were doing. And he's in the house by himself, and he's got a pretty big house. And he hears like this loud noise crash from the kitchen, and he goes and he goes in there to look to see what's going on. And he looks down, and he sees like wet, like, uh, like wet, you know, water on the floor and he looks a little closer and he says, it's like almost like, like muddy dog prints, but more watery. You can, you could barely make them out, you know? And so he's like, what the heck? And so he turns and the whole house smells like wet dog. So he gets freaked out. He goes and he grabs the firearm and he goes all through the house and going and opening each door and, you know, and, uh, he's not a person that gets scared easily, you know? Um, so he was like, you know what? I didn't find anything. And I just said to heck with it. I was exhausted. I didn't, I was tired, you know? And he goes, it's time to go to bed. I got to get up early and get out of here. So he goes and he goes back to his bed to lay down. And he said about an hour later, he wakes up and he sees this thing 
like huffing, like it, like it was breathing hard, like, you know, and it's like, it's, it's chest is heaving and he sees it looking down at him and he's like, it's this grayish looking, uh, grayish black, uh, creature. How far away is it? The very foot of his bed. Oh, wow. And he said that he, he just like, he went to kick the covers and he kicked it and he felt it. He felt the, like the leg of it and everything. It had the weird backward bent legs, like was a dog, solid? You know, whatever. And it was solid. It wasn't like spongy. No, no, it wasn't spongy at all. He said it felt like you kicked a like a, an animal or something. But he said just then that thing grabbed his legs and just started to yank him off the bed. And he goes, "Dude, it's pulling me off the bed, and I'm I'm reaching and grabbing for anything I can to to stabilize myself to keep from you know because I'm like, why is this thing pulling me?" He said, and I look up and I see its mouth, and its mouth has like red on one side, and it looked like blood. Like it had been eating something. And so he was like, I was absolutely horrified. I was just like, what in the heck is going on here? And so he's pulling him off the bed and eventually he falls off the bed and hits his head on, on, on the on the floor, you know, and he just starts kicking and screaming and he's by himself in the house. There's no one else around. And eventually his phone starts ringing and he's got this really loud, obnoxious uh, Leonard Skinner ringtone. And he said the thing stopped and started kind of staring at his phone. And he said right there under the bed, he pulled and he had a, a sawed off pull, a shotgun. He pulled right out and he just turned, he pointed at it and he pulled the trigger like, you know, and, and, and it just disappeared. So he ends up shooting the gun off into the house. Now here's what's weird. So it disappeared before the bullet hit him. Yeah. It was like gone. Poof. And he so he shoots it and it breaks the mirror and it, and it and and only a few of the uh, the of the the dresser absorbed most of the blow, and and only a few of the 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 pellets went into the uh, the wall, and so his his wife comes home and she's like, "What the heck happened?" He said, "This thing attacked me in my house," you know. So he brings this Kulandetta over and then they they try to priest and all this other stuff and they're blessing the house and they're they're saging the house and everything. And he said, dude, he still gets weird vibes, you know, like, and, and sometimes you'll see something in the corner of his eye and he thinks that it's one of these things, you know? And, uh, yeah. So anyway, another, another thing that happened to him was he was with Noah one night and this happened to Jerry, Noah, and to Andre and Jerry and, and, and Andre both t- told me this story and they were, they were hanging out over at Noah's or whatever. They were, they were, they were, they were talking, whatever. And Noah's an avid hunter. You know, and he's you know, <laughs> he's an avid gun guy. So he's a gun guy, yeah. And so he's always out there fighting with the hogs and shooting at these creatures and whatever. And Noah tells him, he goes, "There's one over there, right by the tree line. You see it? Do you see it?" And they're like, "No, we don't see it." And he goes, "This blurry looking thing comes out of the tree line and kind of makes a zigzag and goes back into the tree line." And he said it looked like you know how the predator when it cloaks. Yeah. He said it looks just like that. And he goes, "I can't believe my uncle could see it." Well, so no, like if it fades into the background, but it's not like a perfectly well. No, and it, you know, it's kind of sketchy looking. Yeah. What's weird though is Noah had claimed he told me this back when I was interviewing him years ago, back in 2016, whatever. Noah told me that when he was in Vietnam, that he saw something very similar to this cloaking looking thing, but it was these um, creatures that people would see, and he never saw them in their real form. But we've talked about it before on the show, and they were called rock apes. Yeah, and some of the people that he you know, dealt with, they said that these things lived in the mountainous jungles of Vietnam, and that they would throw rocks at them. And he said, "Dude, it was it was just uh, the weirdest thing." You know, he goes, "Yeah, you get a lot of story, uh, stories from soldiers about that, mm-hmm. where they're just like on patrol and out of nowhere you they just, get attacked." Yeah. So 
what happened was Noah took his his his, his one of his machine guns basically and opened up on it. And this is an actual machine. Gun. This is a gun that will actually do. And I'm not going to get into it because anyway, he starts firing, and he nails it. And they all saw it. And then the cloaking, what I think was cloaking, they didn't say it was cloaking, but you know, I suggested that it starts to kind of fade off, like kind of blink out, and they see this black werewolf-looking creature crawling around on all fours. It's been hit several times by a very large caliber uh, assault weapon. And then it stands up, and it, and it begins to like roll its shoulders forward, kind of turning itself into like a half a ball, and then goes back again, and it does it a couple times, and they start to see the cloaking, whatever I think is a cloaking, start to come back, and then Noah hits it again two or three more times. All that was happening to this thing, though, was that fur and dust was flying off of it. There was no blood. And so, you know, they're about 30 yards from it, and they're like, what in the heck? And Noah's going toward it, and he goes, you got to keep hitting it until the, until it drops, and then you got to light it on fire. So Noah told him that, and so they <laughs> – Jerry said, I asked him, he goes, he goes, Theo, that's, you know, uncle in Spanish. He says, Theo, how do you know this? He goes, because one of these dang things took my dog and killed it in front of me. He's like, and I nailed it, you know, about 30 times. And then when it was laying there hurt, I went over and I took a, a log with the fire. He's always got a fire going, you know, he's like, I took a log from the bonfire and I threw it on it and it, and it burned it up. And then it started screeching and squealing. And then it just like the flesh Started to evaporate off of it. Yeah, you'd have to be kind of wacky like Noah to do something like that. Because who in their right mind would do something like that? Well, I think you he's have the courage. Angry because it killed his dog. Yeah, too, I mean, you, know? you have to have a little bit of wackiness and anger to be able to walk up to something like that, shoot it, and then light it on fire. Yeah, and then he found the secret to get rid of him. Yeah, and and th there's 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 another one here. Jo this this happened when Joe was working in San Antonio, and this is when I just got recently, since I last did the show. We did the one about Joe. Um, Joe said he was working in San Antonio, and this was in South San Antonio. He was working with Robbie, and uh, what's crazy is that it wasn't anywhere near any of this. But they, but I I believe that, that that now that they can they can see these creatures I think they can see them if they're around they'll see them yeah and that's what I told Joe I said I think you're able to see them now you know what I mean so he was working in South San Antonio and whenever they were going they were finishing up the job in Southeast San Antonio uh, they were you know they put all their tools they get all their stuff in the truck and they were driving out and he said he went maybe two miles down the road. And they see this wolf-like creature carrying a small dog go across the, the road. Like literally, it, this thing ran across the road on two legs and it was carrying like a, a small dog, like just carrying it in, in, in its hand. And the dog looked unconscious. I don't know if it was, it was you know, whatever. Well, going back to what, and that, and that was weird. And Joe was just like, dude, he goes, I'm seeing these things when I'm not even at the, anywhere around. And Joe doesn't even live anywhere there, near there. He lives out in... In between Buda and Kyle. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, uh, after they moved away, like, was there anything evil that followed them? Yeah. I mean, obviously. Um, I thought, you know, as soon as they left, they'd all just focused on Joe, but it sounds like they couldn't even get away from it. Well, and here, here's another thing. This creature with the, with the whited out eyes, I don't know what that is, but Noah had claimed that, the, that he woke up one day and there was 
something in his kitchen or, or in his uh, dining room. And cause he had left some food out he had had some, some, uh, chicken, you know, for dinner Leftovers, or whatever and left it, know. he left it out on the table and this thing was just there eating it. And he said when he walked into the, uh, the dining room, he sees a half of a wolf looking creature and where the le- the back leg should have been, it was just like a solid, like piece. Like there was no legs. You couldn't see it. It was just like, if it was just like a piece of mm-hmm. like, and he said it was like, it was beginning to take shape before his eyes. And Noah had said that this was like something that happened regularly. This is what he told uh, Jerry. And he said that he was eating this chicken that he had left. And then when he turned and saw Noah, he just continued to eat for a few more seconds. And then he ran out the back door, which was wide open. And he was like, dude, this thing broke into my house. And he said another night he was in there watching TV. And one of these things like came up. He watched it. He said it walked right up onto the deck. And then tried the door handle and started kind of slamming into the door. And he took his assault rifle and and pointed at it through the window. He could he went over and looked out the, to the left and and saw it there and pointed at it. And it just jumped down on all fours and ran and jumped over the, the the railing and took off into the woods. And so he said that he also seen them on a regular basis taking uh, chickens from Shane and his brother's property. He'd see them crossing onto his property. And that that will be an, another time for another story when we do the next installment because we're going to talk about Shane and his brother and what they went through because the, their the Hitchens that was originally their ranch yeah then they uh, yeah and then they part, partitioned it off into a bunch of different sections or whatever and so when when that thing took the chickens or whatever he said he took some shots at it and it just like they held on to them with one hand and took off running into the woods but he said they can be killed. And he's he fully believes that he has killed them, and and he he claims that he's burned them, like he's knocked them down and then lit them on fire. And he said that's the only way to kill them. He said that you know or, you can't you know, kill them any other way. Throw a bull at him, basically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess that's yeah. And and the other and the only other thing that had happened was um, the the creature with the whited out eyes. Andre claims to have seen that one time when he was walking back to his truck. Uh, go, going from from hog hunting, and he was coming back, and him and a buddy of his um, that lives in that area, they were walking back, and they see this thing chewing on something in in the, the brush, and they walked by it, and when it looked up, it just had these whited out eyes, but it looked like a wolf with man's arms, and they just like ran to their truck and got out of there. And his friend was like, "What the heck was that?" And Andre played it off like, "I don't know." But you know, he was like, I don't want to tell this guy that I knew exactly. What we it was. see these things pretty regularly. I know exactly what that is, and you know, and he goes, I don't want people thinking I'm nuts, you know, um, you know, and they work for a very large company, as you know, because you know, we worked for that same, you know, but but I, you know, they don't want their names being thrown out there or whatever. But you know, that's it for tonight, folks. I mean, we, you know, we we covered you know pretty much Jerry and, and his brother's stories, and and uh, yeah, and the thing is, is like. As I mentioned before, if there are tribes, like what if these whited out eyes ones are like the seers of of you know the what the seers or like you know the the magic or the shamans? Of, oh, okay. That's why they have like special abilities that are a little bit different, and that's why they you know are able to go into the spirit form. It was something I was thinking about when I brought up that tribe, and I first heard about the white eyes. I was like, well, what if on top of all the stuff that they can do, like these are things are like different in the way like they also utilize some spirit form or uh, uh, some kind of spirit abilities that we don't understand. Yeah. 
because with whited out eyes, it doesn't seem like you'd be able to see. Yeah. But well, they, not they only that, but it seems like fine. not and see exceptionally well to where like they're glowing, like they they stand out, you know, because when you said he was on top of the tree, he said like, even though uh, it, he was pure black, he could still see those eyes like glowing, like they were like he was like made to see him or something. And if I was him, I'd have been like, stop staring at me with those big old eyes. Better to see you with you, Arson. Better to see you with, my dear. Better to see you with. Yeah. Uh, what time is it now, Mr. Wolf? Oh, it's time to go. Paranormal Roundtable, folks, thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoyed thank this. Thank you for being here with us as we finish it up. Mm-hmm. And we still got some more to go. We're going to get into to the, I'm still doing this ongoing uh, with the Hitchens, and we're going to talk to them and Shane and his brother um, and get their, their encounters and their stories and- um, we didn't actually work with them, but we met them through the Hernandez family. And, uh, I, you know, like I said, there's all kinds of weird theories about what this is or what it could be or why these families see all these different things that they see. In um, fact, um, if you have theories, put it in the comments. Like, just, just tell us what you think it might be. Yeah. Hit I mean, me up with like your stories too, folks. Remember, every Tuesday, I tell people stories or I have people come on the show and tell their stories. Uh, Tuesday, live stream, PRT, YouTube. 7.30, we'll be talking about this stuff. We'll be doing live chat. Any, anything to add, Mushu? Um, I think I said it off air, but one thing that really freaked me out about Jerry's uh, second story is that the fact that he it was such a supposed to be, it was supposed to be such a safe moment. You know, gun in hand, wife right next to you. You got the drop on it too. It's yeah, coming through got, the it's window. It's coming through the window. Like you, all you have to do is wait for it. Yeah. And it's like everything you try doing is just not working. Doesn't work. And then your wife's just snoring happily asleep. Uh, then a couple days uh, later, your son tells you that. So now yeah. it's not like only, oh, not only can I not do anything for it, but it's visiting my son and I can, I know I can't do anything. So it, yeah. yeah, it'd be pretty, I can understand why he sees that one as a more terrifying uh, situation. And another thing, too, about Jerry, he's a good guy because they haven't sold the property yet because they're debating about what to do. Yeah, he doesn't um, want to dump that onto someone else. somebody else yeah. outside, and outside the family. That's the same dilemma that Shane felt. You know, he's got a beautiful ranch there, but he doesn't know what he's going to do. I mean, you know, they're just like – and they're not interested in a bunch of hokey-pokey people going out there and messing with them and exploring. I've had people tell me, let's get out there. And I'm like, they're just not interested no, in that at all. They they have businesses, very successful business people, um, and they don't need people's messing around and messing with their stuff. And then, you know, they're worried about their livelihood and taking care of their, you know, their farms, their ranch, whatever, and their and their livelihood, their businesses. They don't need people messing with them, you know, um, which has already happened, unfortunately. But anyway, folks, that's it for tonight. That's it for tonight. And we hope that you will join us on Tuesday's live stream. Remember that. And uh, like and subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube or any other platform you're on. And um, be sure and check out our podcast every Friday, 7 p.m. And uh, good night. Good night.